0: Live
1: from Casa de Monte Cristo with Swayne and Marcus. It's smoking section. Yeah. The Cam Newton of country music. Sup? How y'all feeling? You, oh man! Yeah, on, dude. I, know, I, I just heard a whoo. whoo. It's <laughs> literally uh, me. I, I do that myself.
0: <laughs> I can throw my voice just in case I don't get in. I, I learned how to do that in college. Uh, yeah, man. You know, I feel like I was talking to somebody the other day and it was like, Jimmy, what, why do you wear this? Why do you wear that? I said, I feel like what you wear is another creative outlet. You know what I'm saying? like, mm. It cracks me up Like when I post something and people be like, well, that's not country.
1: So we're going to talk about like, those glasses that I saw on Yahoo yesterday? Oh, I got some like this right now.
0: <laughs> but these are the black ones. I look like somebody's Aunt Margie. <laughs> these I got these? See, these <laughs> are fresh, bro. I look like Catwoman But I'm a man So I'm like Catman I'm, I'm gonna leave that one alone <laughs> I'm like Catman But I mean, not that- like This guy I posted something on Twitter Like a few months ago And this guy was like That's not country I was like bro what's, what's country to you? He said well you shouldn't wear that That's not country I said listen Like I tweeted the other day Clothes don't define the person They're just Clothes. If that was the case, like I said before, there'd be a lot more firefighters and nurses. Some will get and that. cops and cops. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people dress up like cops too. But and some, cops. some of y'all will get that. Some, some won't. Depends I do you had did. bachelorette parties
1: before. Yeah, I mean this is Nashville. <laughs> it is Nashville, yeah.
0: the, the home of bachelorette parties.
1: Yes, we beat Vegas. All right, so let's start here. What's up, bro? What's going on, man? man I'm glad he didn't wear that shirt. <laughs> what shirt? What shirt? Okay, so the shirt. <laughs> Who, me? Yeah. So I'll, being a friend with Jimmy Allen, you get phone calls sometimes at 3 o'clock in the morning that lasts an hour long. And for a good 30 minutes of that one-hour phone call, he ragged on you about the shirt you wore with Rusty Gaston. What shirt that wore? Uh, Some long. Uh, yeah, you know you need to burn that shirt. Uh, bro. I
0: said, listen, if he come in here with from- this shirt, I am going to roast him <laughs> like the whole podcast. I just get in this mood where we just like, like me and my buddies from college. Every time we get together, <laughs> like we'll have conversations about life and stuff, and that's great. But we'll just joke the whole time, and like now, like they would roast me for wearing this. What I'm going to wear tonight at CMTs? They're going to roast me for that. I'm going yeah, to roast
1: you for wearing. That's
0: just what we do. It's it's fun. You know, you don't take it too serious. <laughs> that shit was funny. I'm bro. just
1: glad he, show. He, he wasn't stopping.
0: I couldn't I couldn't get a word in. He was just bro. going. He was just man, going. Man, I'm going to have, have Marcus show you some of the tanks. <laughs> I was <laughs> going to roll that
1: night, <laughs> I'm man. i going to pull it up again. I was, it was great. Like, it was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, uh, all right. So alright we're going to get started here. So we recorded them doing a round of applause. Do a, do a little quick round of applause for a special edition. Yes. 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 I'm liking that. I'm feeling the vibe now. Okay. You want your cigar? Yeah. What, what kind is it? It's a mild Monte Cristo. Where is it? It's right here. Where's the table? Well, there's no table. You want hey,
0: All the pictures y'all posted of the podcast, y'all sitting around the table, well, and I don't get a table? Y'all got me up here like it's a writer's round. It ain't a list If it makes room, you bro. feel better,
1: Gregory didn't get a photographer, so. That's uh, why I got my guy Sam. Exactly. makes some noise. Hey, Sam. Sam. Right.
0: Every right. time I post a video or a picture and I tag at Sam the Cam, that's Sam over there.
1: He's a beast. No, I can't really see him. It's kind of Sam. blinding by the light here. Not calling you too white, but the sun's behind you sorry guys <laughs> all right so how you been man good man just uh you hustling yeah just just
0: staying busy you know it's one of them things where your career goes from not being busy to being crazy to you know i had um breakfast with with darius this morning he was talking about he's at the point in his career where his cma isn't that crazy anymore as it used to be mm. you know so i'm um, just learning to Balance. Today's my son's fifth birthday. We had his party last night. So, oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, he's he's getting old. The older he gets, so you're older I get. <laughs> right. Don't crack. That was oh, good. I am telling you. Hopefully I'll age well. Doubtful. Like uh, my mom. My mom ages well. My dad. Your, your he mom did age well. My dad, life was rough on him, boy. He, mm-hmm. Life punched him in the face a few times. I was like, uh, wake up. No, he didn't age too well. But, uh, but yeah, man, it's been great. Um, doing a bunch of media stuff, a bunch of podcasts. We got like five shows tomorrow, I think. Five shows, three meet and greets tomorrow. Good yeah, Lord. Yeah, I know. How many of y'all in here
1: are actually going to all these meet and greets? Nobody. <laughs> uh. <laughs> You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. All right, so let's talk about how you got started. So for those of you who don't know, I know Jimmy from the time that he was in a punk rock band.
0: No. No, Mercury Lane. No. Even before Color of London. I did. So Mercury Lane was before. So Mercury Lane was punk rock. Mm. Color of London was more like One Republic meets Keith Urban. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, I was in the punk rock band. That's when I was wearing like, I always wore skinny jeans. It's always been my thing. But I used to wear, so how I wear cowboy boots with looser jeans now to y'all, they're so skinny. Imagine someone wearing skinny jeans tucked in cowboy boots with a scully on, like a beanie. We called it It was bad I he wore was those gone through Some Taylor. bad
1: fashion statements Yeah I know huh? man You talking about me <laughs> But there ain't no Pictures of that Being posted proudly In 2019 <laughs> <laughs> You want a whiskey Or something
0: Nah I'm cool man
1: You sure Alright Alright Go ahead and light that up So yeah So I've known him back Since he was in a punk rock band He's from Delaware Good old Milton Delaware I didn't know that Oh yeah he's from Delaware okay. Yeah you
0: ever been He's an Eagles I've fan i never been There you go Fly Eagles fly
1: Oh man, it's two y'all up here. Yeah,
0: there's a few other. Hey, we got some Eagles fans. They're in from here. Philly. They're from Philly. I love it. They're from Philly. Well, they're still Eagles fans. So we're, still, we're, we're all one. We're you all know, one. Whether you're from Philly, whether you're from Delaware, I know Eagles fans in California and in, in the state of Washington. I met one from That's Dallas crazy. yesterday. I think we're going to start a fire. Is there an ashtray?
1: <laughs> there is, but we need a table. That one right there. See, Sam. Sam's a jack of all trades over so, here. Sam's a man, bro. Wow. So, yeah, I grew up in this town, Milton, Delaware. Uh,
0: (laughs) When I was in Milton, we had like 800 people there. Um, And, you know, all my dad listened to was country music, and all my mom listened to was gospel music, but more of like Brooklyn Tabernacle, Bill Mm. Gaither. Yeah, my mom was more CCM, like TBN. Oh. I'm talking like white,
1: white Christian music. Oh. Yeah. The ones they don't shout or yell. No or shouting. They was, like, if you, you, you ever TBN, y- y'all are some peaceful. Mother- no,
0: you gotta. In the South is different though. See, I gotta different. put you on some white Pentecostals in the South. Yeah, it's a whole different down here in the South. Is I'm learning. Is it like the Black
1: Baptists up there? Yes.
0: It is. Oh, for real? Yeah, church oh, I, long I, I too. I haven't been. A, I haven't been to a white Pentecostal down here. Yeah, don't go. It's like three hours. Just like the black ones up north. That's why I don't go. <laughs> That's where I'm going. I so need I a, a service that starts at ten forty-five. I'm home by eleven
1: thirty. Mm. I call I'll it that bird that.
0: bath service. <laughs> Quick, fast. Yep. Jesus gives his blessings really fast, like shots of espresso. I don't want the, co- <laughs> I don't want the coffee <laughs> sermon. I want the shot of espresso <laughs> sermon. You know, and get there fast. I won't miss the game. Uh, yeah, <laughs> But yes, I grew up, so to me, country and Christian music aren't that different as far as like the stories in the songs and as far as the song is more geared to who the person is singing it less than what they're singing about. Like when people say, well, what makes you or anyone else a country artist? I look at it the same way I look at Christian music. So Christian music, what makes that person a Christian artist is that themselves as a person or, or a Christian. So what makes a country artist a country artist is about, are they a country boy or a country girl? It ain't about if they wear a cowboy hat. It ain't about, because I know a bunch of people that wear a cowboy hat never roped cattle in their life. You know? Uh, it, it, it ain't about how many fiddles you put in your song. It ain't about how many times your dog died. It's about your you as a person, you know, <laughs> your morals, your belief, how you grew up and how you live your day-to-day life. I just got I feel really like, sad. Yeah, I like... know. Yeah, that's what, I feel like that's what makes you a, a, a country artist. So you figure I did, I was in a rock band through high school, Uh, got to college, did R&B for like a year or two, started writing R&B songs for other artists, uh, went back to an emo rock band, then went to a punk rock band. Then I came to Nashville and was country at first, but I was told that I was too country for pop, but I was too pop for country. And literally the same songs I'm putting out today are the exact same (laughs) songs, like the same style that I was doing then. But the genre has evolved over, over years. So it was finally I went to L.A., uh, it was 2014 to stay with my uncle for a little bit and had nothing going on. My had just died in February and my son was going to be born in June. I was working three jobs at the time. At that time I was working, I'd write songs from nine to three in the morning. I'd work at Bonefish Grill from three to four, uh, from three to 10 p.m. Then I'd work at Walmart overnight stock from 11 p.m. till six in the morning. And I'd sleep like maybe two and a half, three hours a night. Ooh. And I was like what am I doing with my life? You know, my friends from college were married and in, in their profession with kids, and I'm just sitting here struggling. So before I walked into the LA Kings game, I was like, all right, God, if you guys you want me to keep going with this music thing and there's someone I might reach one day through my journey or my music, give me a sign. And I don't want just any sign. I need like a trophy or, or something I can, I can hold on to. Crazy thing is we walked in the game, and it's the game the Kings are celebrating their Stanley Cup. So they're giving out replica rings to everybody in the suite. So I was like, shit. So you, that's, were, you were in the suite? That was in the suite. Okay. So okay. that's why every show, I always wear a ring here. It's so an L.A. King Stanley Cup ring. It reminds me that, you know, I have something to say that will maybe one day help someone continue to chase their dream or whatever they're going through. And um, so I came back to Nashville. And my dad was like, listen, son, just grab your guitar write whatever songs you want to write don't worry about no genre don't worry about trying to make something fit in a box musically just write the songs you want to write so in that time i wrote back in your mind uh best shot home to uh happy hour uh what else we write slower lower um so there was so many songs that were just about me you know just came from the inside and um i did this writer's round and That's how I met my my manager, Ash Bowers. He was on the writer's round as well um, because he used to be an artist, and he signed me to a pub deal. Um, And and the crazy thing is, like I always tell people, man, it's not about the dream happening when you want it to. It's about taking every day and make sure you're practicing, you're putting in the work. If you want to be a nurse, make sure you're doing a little extra reading. If you want to be an attorney, whatever it is, make sure you put in extra work into your career. That way, when your opportunity comes, you're ready for it, and you're not having to play catch-up. You're not having to say, oh, man, I got a show next week. I need to get ready. No, luckily enough, I struggled to where I was still, me and my college band were still playing 150 shows a year in, like, small clubs and bars and colleges and stuff like that to where I see it now. But at the time, I didn't know I was preparing myself for when I get on these uh, uh, theater stages we're playing now, the amphitheaters, the arenas. I didn't know all the work I was putting in then was leading me to now. Because people say, Jimmy, do you get nervous when you get on stage? Like, nah, I get butterflies because I'm excited. But as far as nervous, it was like everything I'm doing now, I planned it five years ago. And like five years from now, I already see what I want to do, like my stage setup, the movies I want to do, the books I want to write. They're kind of already in the process now. And I figure, you know, life is all about preparation you know and 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 i feel like if you prepare properly you can deliver and when you can deliver you're able to reach your full potential and when you can reach your full potential that's where i feel like happiness comes from not in the money but knowing you're doing what you love to the best of your ability and your ability has that power to touch someone else to where they see their struggle and their story connected with yours you know cuz so many artists that lived in their car like I did, that were homeless for a while, I've connected with their story. And I've had people say, hey, Jimmy, I love the relationship you have with your grandma. That made me want to dig back in with my grandparents. Or I heard about you doing this uh, when you were struggling. So that made me not want to quit. So I feel like life is a never-ending cycle to where we are supposed to learn then put back out into the universe. So someone can learn from us and they'll put it back out. Someone will learn from them. And I feel like,
1: that's how you keep things moving. So I got a question for you. I got an answer. I'm going to ask a question that a lot of people don't really realize about you. Can we talk about the family member? Who's, who's <laughs> his family member? <laughs> for a quick second. For a quick second. You quick can second. answer this one question, and then we won't talk about member again. So for those of you who don't Wait. know, Jimmy's uncle is Magic Johnson. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. For now those that, of you who. who Magic. Uh, Urban, Johnson. Yeah, Magic Johnson. Yes. Greatest Laker of all time. In my opinion. Ooh, boy, um, Kobe's the greatest Laker. He's second best.
0: <laughs> Magic said that. so Yeah, Kobe's Kobe's the greatest Laker of all Yeah, things. sure.
1: So when you were homeless, did you ever think about calling him?
0: No, nah, I never called nobody. I didn't call my. I could have reached out to my parents. They could have helped. My siblings. I have uh, two brothers and four sisters. Could have reached out to them. I feel like, as an adult anyway, but I feel like as a man, there comes a point where you need to remove the safety net cuz what happens is if you're my dad calls it getting off the titty you know growing up <laughs> you know because what happens is if you never remove the safety net you limit yourself possibilities you limit reaching your full potential because you're going into everything scared and you never really know how to support yourself if every time something hits the fan You run to a family member to say, I need help with this. I realized I was at a point in my life where music is what I wanted to do. It was my dream. No one else was responsible for it other than me. So I felt like I needed to go through that and figure out a way to deal with it. Like, I teach my son this. Like, there's times when he's frustrated and he can't tie a shoe. And he's like, Dad, can you help me? No, tie it. Well, I don't know how. You've watched me tie your shoe a million times tie your shoe and he'll sit there well, i can't do it well i guess you're walking around with your shoes not tied so he'll sit there and <laughs> trip and fall and get mad at me don't be mad at me mad at yourself you're too lazy to do it and learn now he knows how to tie a shoe if you keep feeding someone they never learn how to hunt and you know mm-hmm. you I, I refuse to be 60 70 years old you know being the providing parent now I'll always be a parent to where if he really really needs anything needs advice I'll help him out but I won't step in until I've seen him exhaust every one of his options you know and that's why I felt like I needed to do you know I decided to leave Delaware and come to Nashville you know you know and my uncle put his work in my family put their work in they've they're living their life this was my time for me and I felt like you know it would have been a baby move to call and ask for help. So I need to just get it done Because Walmart's always hiring So I tell people <laughs> People always, you know Ain't like, that the truth Always hiring That's my thing Like, you know We we talked about your situation yeah. before and Yeah I'm like, for me It's not a pride thing You know It's about realizing that I want to be somewhere What do I need to do To get it done Man, I ain't gonna lie Man, I hated working at Bonefish Grill Because every songwriter in town I knew Every artist I knew You would come there and eat I hated working at Page as a janitor and at middle school because all these artists that I wanted to see, the kids were in a freaking school. So here I am. Oh, when I collected trash for waste management, going to people's house, them seeing my face, at first it was like, man, this sucks. But again, I realized where I'm at now is where I wanted to be. And how do I keep myself open as far as time goes to be able to have the flexibility to put in the work to get Here, the worst part, not gonna lie this is horrible So I collected uh, cans for a while Because I lost my job, but I still have a son And again, you know Parents gotta do what you gotta do for their kids So I collected cans from like 11pm To like 6 in the morning Like different parks and stuff (laughs) And I seen a few songwriters and artists In those parks, I'm sitting there my ass is digging through the trash I'm like, Jesus, this is horrible But, one artist came up to me And said they respect the hustle Cause that's mm-hmm. the thing, man. When people see you working, that's when they're willing to step out and help you. Does this city still buy cans? What? Does this city still? Yes, cans everywhere. I see cans all the time. I'm have to go collect me some cans. Listen, there. bro. <laughs> and that's <laughs> sure what I tell people all the time, man. You know, I have you know artists that'll reach out, and especially people from my hometown. Hey, Jimmy, man, you made it. We're from the whole town. You know, I feel like you owe me. Well, I don't <laughs> owe you anything. <laughs> Nobody owes you nothing, like not a thing. It doesn't matter if your brother makes it. He doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't have to help you, you know, because and that's the problem. I feel like from a young age, we have ruined a few generations with giving them everything because what happens is it doesn't prepare them for the real world. They're, they have this false sense of expectation and ownership to things that they don't deserve and things that they haven't worked for. You know what I'm saying? So I tell people all the time, listen. I'll help anybody once I see you putting forth an effort, you know, because if I introduce an artist to a publisher or a writer and that artist turns out to be lazy, guess whose reputation's on the line? Me. Oh, Jim, you introduced me to that one artist. You know, so I tell artists all the time, look, move to the city, popular for the music you want to do. Get out, network. When you send, when you get some songs ready, I'm going to give you the emails of some publishers. Some will say, I emailed them. They didn't email me back. I'm going to hit them again. Well, of course they're not going to email you back. Because if they're going to spend a million dollars on someone, they want to know that that artist is going to show up day in and day out, not someone that's going to cower away when they don't get what they want the first time or the 50th time. You know how many I mean? Labels in town told me no, bro. Mm-hmm. All of them. You know how I many publishers told me no? All of them. But the greatest feeling in the world was we met with a label in town. I won't say the label's name in January 17 and the label said I played them Best Shot Make Me Want To Back of Your Mind Warrior All Tractors Ain't Green Like You Do pretty much the whole album he was like man this is cool but just don't think it'll work man I just don't think the songs will connect I was like okay and then he said you know and honestly we just signed two artists I think are gonna be superstars I think you'll have a good career but I think these two artists will be superstars I was like alright Did a showcase next month. Uh, John Lobo from Broken Bow off me a record deal that night. He signed me. And this was a month after the one label told me no. So I run into the guy from the label that told me no. He's like, man, how's everything going? You know, I wish you the best. I was like, well, I actually just signed a deal with Broken Bow. He said, I always knew you'd make it. I said, no, you didn't. He was like, excuse me? Because down, down here in the South, nobody's straightforward. People never tell you how they really feel. Bless your heart. But <laughs> I do, because I'm going to know these. He was like, you know, I always thought about working with you. I said, dude, don't listen. Don't 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 BS me, because if you wanted to work with me, you would have. Right. And then I was like, you know, <laughs> how the artists doing that you said would be superstar? He was like, oh, you know, they're putting in the work. And then I saw him again, and he came to... Uh, I saw him after my number one party for Best Shot and you know I was just thanking people. I thank people for saying yes and I thank people for saying no because the no's are what kept adding fuel to the fire and me going. Then the guy came up to you and was like, man, I always knew that song Best Shot would connect. I was like, you told me it wouldn't. Then I asked him again, how are those two artists doing that you chose to sign over me? And he didn't say nothing. I wonder if they're starting a label. Mm. My thing is, man... <laughs> Be yourself.
1: I wonder what Never I wonder
0: what label that was. Never be like anyone else, because <laughs> what happens is there's only one original. Everything else or everyone else that tries to be like the original is a copycat. Like I tell people to come to town. Well, I want to make a song like FGL. Why would people come to you for an FGL song where they could go to FGL? You know what I mean? Why would people come to me for a Same Hunt song or to me for a Runaway June song where they can go to them? Like be yourself. What sells the songs? is the authenticity that comes from the heart of the artist. You know, that's why there will only be a, one Michael Ray, only be one FGL, only one Lindsay L, only one Runaway June, only one Little Big Town, because these artists have figured out a way to be themselves through the music. You know, and that's what the problem was with these two artists. He signed two artists that looked exactly like an artist on the roster and sung the same songs and even dressed the same. I'm like... Bro, you signed that artist squared in the third time, however you say that. I don't know. I'm from Delaware. I'm slow. Uh, (laughs) But that's my thing, and I've talked to one of the artists before, and he told me, well, so-and-so said, if I dress like this or if I wore this, it would work. I said, man, you got to – he said, well, how do you do things with your label? How do you do – I said, I am who I am. I'm going to be wrong a bunch of times, and I might be right once, but you have to believe in what you're doing, you know, because to me, happiness and success comes from within. It's not about how many number ones I get. It's not about how many people come to my concerts. It's about me being able to go home at the end of the day and say, I gave today everything I had. I, I tried to learn from my mistakes and be the best father for my son, and I'm good. You know, And I think a lot of times we try to latch our happiness and our success on social media says is happiness to what social media says is a great body. To what social media says is a great song or a great career. You know, like I tell people all the time, listen, there's no difference between Keith Urban and the janitor that cleans the arena when Keith Urban leaves. The only difference is... Keith Urban got paid more. Yeah. but (laughs) Way more. (laughs) Everybody's one click away at the bank from losing all their money. Mm -hmm. Think about it. We trust all these people to say these banks that say how much money you got. Man, I don't know if you ever worked at a bank before, but it's kind of easy to wipe somebody's money out. And that's my thing. It's all about being a good person. There's no difference as people between Keith and the janitor. You know, and that's what I always try to keep in front of my mind. You know, I always try to remind people, listen, we're all the same. Nobody's better than nobody. And once you have that mentality and you can latch onto it, I feel like that's when you start to find out, your heart and who you are true and what's really happiness and success, you know, to you. So, so you got a lot of no's.
1: I'm out. All right. You got a lighter? Where's <laughs> yeah. the hell? How's your lighter? Uh, a lot of lighters over here. I'm not a lighter guy today.
0: As long as you're not that shirt guy, we're good. <laughs>
1: hey. <laughs> Well, you know what? We got a lotter. I, I can bring the shirt next time. We're just burning with that lotter right there.
0: Well, that shirt was so bad, man. man. What did I
1: call that shirt? What did I say he looked like? Let's look at the tweet. Let's look at the Let's text. look at the text. Oh, <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all talking on text? Oh, <laughs> I was te-
0: I was rolling, bro. Oh, he, oh yeah, yeah. Y'all shouldn't. Only read really the appropriate oh,
1: ones. I'm, yeah, I'm only <laughs> reading. No, there's no appropriate ones. Hey, we're not, <laughs> Hey, we. Hey, we live, man. We ain't gonna read that. <laughs> See, oh, we are gonna read this. Uh, don't read the first few. No, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> See, <laughs> don't read the first few. Matter
0: of fact, let me see him. Here, let me see let him. Yeah, let, let me see him. Let me lean over. One. Oh,
1: oh man. Rihanna put, put a gif up, too, man. <laughs> oh, no. I can't He's read. Screen, so he screenshotted, oh, he no, screenshotted the that post me. from Instagram. We're going to show you after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. This is really. I was on a roll that
0: night, man. That was some real creative stuff. And shout out to Makers Mark Whiskey for the inspiration. Uh, but, yeah, I was I was on a roll that night, man.
1: All right, so. I feel like answering questions. Y'all got some questions? You got some questions? I got a question for you. So, you got a lot of no's. How many of those no's were because you were black? Honestly? Yeah. I would say one. One. And he told me. Dude told me straight up. He was like, listen,
0: I like your music, but it's never been done before. Because at this time, Darius Rucker hadn't came out yet. Darius didn't come to 0- 08, and I was here in 07. He said, I don't know who to market the music to. I don't know how to market it. I'm not sure how it would do because there was no FGL, there was no uh, Little Big Town. Thomas wasn't doing what he does now. In '07, country was still pretty traditional. So not only did I sound different, I looked different, and that's scary for anyone that has to invest anywhere between for an artist five to ten million dollars because your job's on the line. So it's like, are you going to risk your job and how you provide for your family on something that might not work? And the dude told me that straight up, and I respected that. Mm -hmm. My thing is, what I always tell people, because people ask me, how is it for black artists in Nashville? I said, Nashville isn't like pop to where they sign you off of how many Instagram followers you got, how many shows you play. Nashville don't care. Nashville wants you to come to Nashville, build a relationship. Because I know... White country artists with over 200,000 followers on Instagram selling out clothes but can't get a record deal because they haven't put the time in in Nashville. And until you get here and you get to know people and you see how it works, you know, that's and that's what I've learned. Like all the years I put in, like I kept meeting artists along the way. I kept meeting songwriters and producers and publishers. I just never met the label head that was ready and there's been a lot of shifts at the head of label since I came into town too mm-hmm. to where a lot of people now at the head of label are very progressive you know they, yeah. they get it now you know you got you know Borchetta you, you got John Loba at my label Broken Bow you got uh, Esposito. Esposito at mm-hmm. Warner he's progressive that's a game changer you got uh, Randy mm-hmm. Goodman at Sony and he they, gets it he's and progressive Mike
1: Duncan and, and, Universal. Mm-hmm. and
0: And even with Dungan you have um, Brian Wright yeah. Brian Wright's very progressive he gets it so The thing is there's been a shift in the genre as far as people signing artists to where they realize, you know what, the influences in music have changed. The style of dress has changed. It's impossible to hold on to what has been, neglect what's going on, and expect to be relevant. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So there's nothing wrong with holding it to tradition, but you have to at some point be willing to accept, look... This is where music has gone because the same music that George Strait listened to isn't what Sam Hunt and T.R. listened to growing up. You know, Sam Hunt and T.R. was, for sure, bopping, Boys the Men, Tupac, Biggie, oh, as sure. well as George Strait. So it's only natural that if you you're like a sponge when you're a kid, if that's what you hear, your influences naturally come out. So, you know, so so for me it wasn't that it wasn't, wasn't, a ma- wasn't it wasn't a major issue for me. It wasn't a major issue. You know, so, my thing. Did that lead to the BET tweet? So my tweet to BET was, BET won't play. BET stands for Black Entertainment Television. For those of you who don't know, there's a lot of white people in here, so they might not know that. (laughs) So BET stands for Black Entertainment Television. Not hip-hop and R&B, but black entertainment. So if I'm a black entertainer, no matter what style of music I sing, I feel like BET should play it. They should play my music, Kane's music, Mickey Guyton's, Darius's, this new girl named Tiara. They should play LeJean Witherspoon's music. He's the lead singer of the rock band Seven Dust. Uh, they should play Charlie Pride. They should play Tony Jackson. They should play Aaron Vance. They should play Torrin Wells, who's a Christian artist. Because BET will play black gospel, but they don't play CCM. So they don't play Anthony Evans. They don't play Michael Tate. These used to be with DC Talk, nights with the Newsboys. They don't play Torrin Wells. So for me, it was to like, you know, I'm a shock factor kind of guy. anyway. Yeah, I know. But I'm like, somebody. in order for something to change, somebody has to say it. And you have to say it direct. You can't... I hate when people talk around something. Just get to the point. Because when you talk around something, you leave it open to so many ways of interpretation. Mm-hmm. Everybody can look at my tweet and say, Jimmy, what did you mean? I meant I'm black and BET ain't playing my video. <laughs> Why? <laughs> and that's what it's about. So for me, it's not about saying you're horrible you're horrible horrible it's about saying something in a way to people get the point and you have their attention
1: has that conversation progressed with BET? oh it's
0: been great they reached out BET reached out yeah it's been great, great conversation <laughs> and to me it wasn't about who's in charge or not because I look at how the lack of openness musically on BET is affecting our next generation because it's painting this picture that black artists only sing and only listen to hip-hop and R&B. And And that's nonsense. You know what I'm saying? So for me, not only does it paint this vision to people who aren't black, it teaches our kids and our kids' kids that you're black, this is the box you're supposed to be in. When that's completely nonsense, when every genre of music came from black people. If you get to the history in country music, country music came out in the 20s. It stemmed out of blues. So they had D4 Bailey, who was a harmonica player, first black opera member, by the way, had him play the harmonica in country music when there's a new genre to purposely match blues and match the train tracks so when they're introducing a the new genre, give people a sound that they're used to. And if you go to everyone from Hank Williams to George Strait to all of them, they will all tell you they learned what they learned from a black musician. And the thing is, music is meant to transcend boundaries. That's why if you listen to the musical influences today of R&B, pop, and country, you hear Motown. You hear what Barry Gordy started in Detroit. It's, it's crazy how these towns live together in different areas, use separate bathrooms, but would all go see The Temptations together. In the same building, by the way. Now, they were separated. The whites on one side, the blacks on another side. But yet, the people that you're told you're not supposed to like, that aren't equal to you, that can't use your bathroom, you're paying your money to see them sing. So that just goes to show me all the hate we feel, all the racism, all that stuff is taught. It's not natural, see what I'm saying? Because how I grew up in Delaware, we were the black family, had a white family here, Mexican family here, we all loved everybody, and that's how we were taught. I have friends from the South that they say, hey, look, our parents, when they were kids, this is what they were taught. Now they're different now, but it's like, that's why when I meet people and they might view someone a certain way because of the color of their skin, I don't judge them because I don't know how they were raised. See what I'm saying? And what might make sense to you might not make sense to them because that's what they were taught. Like, this cigar is brown, right? From the day you were born, your parents told you and everyone in your family told you this cigar is blue. You're going to grow up thinking this cigar is blue. You're going to look like an idiot to the rest of the world because they clearly see it's brown. But to you, in your heart, you believe it's blue. You know, and that's why I believe you can't judge people, you can't hate people for how they were taught and how they were raised. Only thing you can do is love everybody, treat everybody equally, and hopefully through you not saying it, but you showing it, they see a different way. You know what I mean? Because the whole actions speak louder than words goes beyond relationships. It's just about living your life daily. You know what I mean? And. If every time you see someone, people see you treating everyone the same, you don't see height, you don't see weight, you don't see skin color, you don't see background because it's impossible to judge someone that you don't know. You know what I'm saying? You can say, man, I don't like him because he doesn't like me. Well, you don't know how he was raised until he met you. You know? That's why I, another thing with BT. my thing is people watch a lot of television. And if from the time you're young, the only thing you see from a black person is they're mean and aggressive and they only listen to this kind of music in your head, that might be what you believe. But then when you meet a black guy in the street that contradicts the image of him that's been painted since you were a kid, it's like, whoa, it throws you off. It's the same thing like when I see they do it to white people in trailer parks. They make it look like everybody in the, white, in the trailer park that are white don't have teeth. they babies run around in diapers. Now, a lot of babies do run around in diapers outside. But see what I'm saying? They paint, there's so many false narratives. I've
1: seen a lot of white people who, who look at their trailers with some really nice teeth.
0: That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so my thing is, it's easy to say, don't be affected by the media and television, but when that's all you see pumping into your brain from a young age, it's hard to separate it. And that's why I feel like it's... My job as a black artist to get with BET that's supposed to represent me and say, how do we correct this image of black people that you've been painting? I don't care if it's ran by white people or black people. I don't care. Unless you want to change the name and call it hip hop and R&B television, we got to do something about the music that you're playing. In the same way, like I have white friends that are artists, country artists, very successful, that are taking their step doing what I'm doing the opposite way, saying, hey, listen, All white people don't feel like this about this. And all white people don't wear this and do this. There's so many like stereotypes that are affecting generations that come afterwards in a negative way. And it's all about how do we fix it? How do we change it? And it's something that anyone could do. Mm. It's something that you can do at work. Something Mm. that you can do at home. Like, because I remember opening up for Kid Rock. Like, I've prejudged people before. You open for Kid Rock? Man, yeah, opened up for Kid Rock
1: at oh, a boy. show, over at the uh, Fontenelle.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I we was were that. out there. Ooh. I saw the crowd and I prejudged him. I was like, mm, I don't know how they're gonna feel when I walk out there and they see my black face. I don't know. <laughs> so my band walks out. They hold their drinks up in the air. The crowd's cheering. Ooh. I said, Well, they love my band. <laughs> <sighs> So I walk out there. After the first song, I got him. Everybody's rocking and stuff. Then we do this meet and greet afterwards, and I prejudged this guy. This guy came up to me. He looked like he just hung a black dude in his backyard. <laughs> like, I'm serious. If you were to paint a picture oh of somebody God. just got out of a KKK hoodie, <laughs> he was that guy. <laughs> Based off of Based what, what they, they like. show you on television, these people look like. I was like, I mm. wonder what he's got to say. And I'm, I'm watching him inch up, inch up him and his wife, and I'm nervous the whole time. I'm like, well, let me get ready run. This ain't going to be good. <laughs> he comes up to me and says, hey, Jimmy, huge fan. Love your stuff. Got your EP. And his name started naming back your mind and home to you, and he sung a little bit of it. He said, listen, man, anytime you play a show that's close to me, I'm there. To this day still, him and his wife, every time I post something on Facebook, they comment on it. There's this other guy that came up to me. Jimmy, he's fan. Love you. Turns around, can you sign my vest? I said, yes. Turns around, vest. Boom, Confederate flag. I said, oh. <laughs> you want me to sign that? He was like, yeah. I said, me. He's like, yeah. I said, me. You want me to sign that? He said, yes, I don't mind. So I signed it. Me and this guy I talked. This is another double standard that's been taught. Just because something might be offensive to you doesn't mean that's how it actually is. Because to him, this flag represents his history, his family, the people he loved. Social media has come in, taken it, and say this flag represents this. And it's unfair to say what a flag represents to everyone when that's just our opinion and the whole offensive thing, people say, I'm offended, I'm offended, I'm offended. To me, that's a reflection of selfishness because how someone else lives their life really has nothing to do with me. You know what I'm saying? Like when uh, I have someone say, Jimmy, if someone does this, does that offend you? No, that's their life. To me, when you when you get offended all the time by the way other people live their life, it's, uh, it's being self-absorbed because everything's not about us. You know what I mean? And again, it's impossible to say what something means to that person when you don't know what it means. Like, say somebody saw the flag from Delaware. Like, oh, to me, that flag from Delaware means you don't like white people from the South. Hmm. So am I supposed to just not wave my Delaware flag anymore? When to me, that Delaware flag reminds me of Milton, Delaware. Reminds me of my grandmother. Reminds me of the time me and my grandmother had. Because at some point, someone said, if slavery didn't happen in the South, there would be nothing wrong with the Confederate flag. That's the only reason. (laughs) Geography. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, if you think about it, like, it's, I know so many people that that flag is their history. You know what I'm saying? Not the history with slavery, but the history with their family members, their loved ones. And I'm like, it's not fair to me to tell them that they can't wave their flag that reminds them of their family because I might be offended. Again, that has nothing to do with me. I shouldn't be that self-absorbed to where I'm throwing myself into their life when they're not bothering me at all. Right? right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's the thing is, and it's conversations that people are uncomfortable with. I don't mind talking about it because it's real. I feel like if you have a conversation and people get uncomfortable, that's the conversation you need to have. And I feel like it's so much talk about wanting to be better. But how you get better... Scars scar's got a heel. They had a heel. You've seen a scar heal. It's ugly. It's not pretty. And even after the heels, you can function, but you always see the scar. And I feel like that's life. No matter what the subject is about, whether it's about sexuality, religion, whether it's about musical taste, whether it's about racism, the only way to move past is to be mature enough to have a conversation and not get upset when someone doesn't agree like with Like everybody you. does on social media. Dumb,
1: oh, man. Um, so, There's so many professors on Facebook that don't your, even got a high school diploma. Good God. <laughs> don't start. Don't <laughs> oh, let me start on that. Um, so we got about five minutes left here. I'm looking at my, my CPT time Yeah, here. I was going to say, I, I don't it's, see no watch. That's my CPT time here. <laughs> <laughs> got about five minutes here. So are you single, sir? Inquiring minds out in the crowd would like to know. <laughs> I'm only asking because I just read my phone and I got a text message from someone in the crowd that asked if you were single. I'm not naming any names or anything but it's somewhere over in that corner. It's in that corner over there. Over oh, there. no. Just they were asking for someone over here. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. If you if you were single. The one thing I always tell people. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> the roundabout <laughs> question. <laughs> is that question.
0: is that answer. This is, this is my thing. <laughs> this,
1: is, this is my thing.
0: Maybe if I, if, if I am single, people wouldn't know. If I have a girlfriend, people wouldn't know. I feel like to a certain extent, there's some things that need to remain sacred. See what I'm saying? Cause Agreed. Because when you put everything on social media or whatever, whether it's about your availability or whether it's about your non-availability, nothing becomes sacred, nothing special anymore. And so I try to a certain extent have a certain boundary when it comes to my son and my personal life. Mm. Like I tell people, when I get married, people will know eventually. Like yeah. I'm serious about I'll probably elope be married for a few weeks, and right. then people will find out When I want. To. I don't want a wedding with People Magazine come out and take pictures at my... No, I, I don't... These to are me,
1: conversations we have at the gym, Yeah, the to me, to me, that's not
0: special, man. Like, I miss the days of when a wedding was special, and it was for the people in it. I miss the days when a relationship was special, and it was for the people in it. So, yeah, you know, if I do have a girlfriend, people won't know. If I don't have a girlfriend, people won't know. Publicly, so yeah, the I'm answer like, is
1: the answer is that it's a mystery.
0: Yeah, career wise, um, filming a movie right now.
1: What? Uh, what? Yeah,
0: yeah. I've been I've been doing it quietly for the last two and a half months. Can, um, I, be, can I be an extra? So we're doing a movie. You need a you need a uh, fat
1: black guy in there. Yeah. You know, comedy. You release. always need a fat guy. Oh, I'll be there. <laughs> Call me.
0: <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm doing another movie in. January on my life, Uh, it's a producer by the name of Brandy Camp, he did Love Actually and a few other movies Uh, Doing a movie on my life kind of like 8 Mile style and uh, we have a few A-list celebrities that one's gonna play my dad, one's gonna play like my best friend and we start filming that in January Who's playing you? Me, I'm I'm, I'm doing the Eminem thing Yeah, Ah. I I just developed uh, a game show uh, that we start filming in March, uh, that I, we host. got a few networks. You need a host besides you? Uh, yeah, I got that. Um, <laughs> you want to call me? I got a radio show coming um, in November. Is uh, there anything you don't have coming? I am going to say, do you? Yeah, cause we, uh, I, cause, do you I'm doing, actually doing you, my doing stand-up, stand-up comedy. Yeah. Yeah, my, my stand-up comedy special, we're filming that in February. Uh, we're either going to go to Netflix or Hulu with that, so that'll be fun. Again, man, You know whether these things are successful or not, whether they... To me, they'll be successful. Whether the world considers them successful, whether they make money or not, I'm just having fun. And I feel like life's about searching every avenue of your heart and finding out what you want to do and just doing it. Um, the clothing line is almost done. Uh, and like an actual line, not just merch. All right, hold
1: on. Yeah. Are you going to have a plus size? <laughs> yeah, there's always a. I mean, social media says I have a good body too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm strutting a dad bod. Listen, Seriously. man, you got to be yourself, Seriously. you know? <laughs> <So>. Own it. <laughs> Own it.
0: I'll just say this. Not every great artist, not every great song gets equal amount of exposure as songs that aren't even a twelfth of how great that song is. Mm. But I got to roll a
1: All right, he got to roll. Yeah, uh, so... Thanks for coming. Oh no problem. It's been fun.
0: Thank y'all so much for coming out. Uh, yes. Y'all coming to any shows this week? Right. Like, we're playing. There's a track. whole.
1: There's a whole crew back there that's going to every single show. Oh, this right. has. I love being that. Green, everything. All right, Jimmy Allen, everybody. Jimmy Allen. Hey. That's a wrap. That's been uh, another episode of Spoken yeah. Section Podcast. Another it's, episode. That was a good episode. That was a good episode. That that's, good episode. that's what I'm talking Thank about. Thank you so much for coming out. Uh, All yeah. right. If you got a drink, please tip Angela. Yeah. She, like I said, she came in here early. She woke up at old dark thirty to get here. I'm just giving everyone shit, like guilt tripping you to give her a tip, <laughs> whether it be a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, five dollars, ten dollars, you know, something, um, something, something. Uh, thank you for coming. This has been fun. This has been good. All right, and that's pretty much it. Thank you guys for coming. Uh, and go have fun at CMA Fest. Yes. Aka Fanfare, but also follow us on Spotify podcast. Well, you guys already do because you won. Don't unfollow us. Don't unfollow us. Don't be one of those people who just win and then like, oh, I won, I'm done. Because I had a couple people like that that won and done, and I wanted to go slap the shit out of them. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But really, well, and, and at least give us five stars. Yeah, maybe go rate us, maybe subscribe follow. Everything. Let's Seriously. go for five, Thank you. All right, it's been great. I'm gonna go have me another drink. I need a drink.